Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for this time as we come boldly before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Use me as an instrument in your hands. I want to be usable for your service. Father, I, take, I don't take this lightly, but this is a, it's an honor to stand before your people week after week after week. And Father, I want to thank you for sending Jesus to die in our place. I want to thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And Lord, I'm just so very grateful to be saved today. It's because of your grace and your mercy we're able to stand and to sit in your presence without being consumed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You've been sent to help us and to teach us in all things. Lead us and guide us today as we discuss the marks of a mature Christian. Thank you, Father. I worship you. Just lift up your hands and declare your love for the King. We thank you, Lord. <clears throat> we thank you, Jesus. You are Lord, your master, your ruler. We love you with all of our hearts. We love you with all of our souls. We love you with all of our minds. We love you with every part of our existence. It is because of you that we're able to approach the throne of God. It is because of you that Father God has not poured out his wrath upon us. Jesus, you saved us from the wrath to come, and we're so very grateful. Lord, you turned the wrath, that wrath that was upon us, into the favor of God. I thank you, Jesus. We're so very grateful. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you came to indwell in, inside of us. We're not without hope. We're not without direction. We're not without leadership. We're not without a personal teacher, tutor, who will lead us and guide us in all the ways of God. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the greatest teacher there is. So teach to me today. Uh, I, I, unveil revelations of your truth and your word as we talked about this Christian journey we want to know we want the real Christ we want the real spirit we want the real father we want the real word real gospel and, and father I thank you father may may we tear down that which we have perceived to be Christianity into real biblical Christianity we want the real gospel and the real truth and Lord I thank you Holy Spirit you have been sent to guide us into all truth and I thank you Father that your word is truth and we're so very grateful. Grant to your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened that they may know it is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. Grant unto me your son and your slave supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. I stand in the office of a teacher and to, as a pastor to minister to your people in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you all for coming out. We're going to dive right into this, um, this word. We're talking about the marks of a mature Christian. Everybody say the marks of a mature Christian. So a lot of times people, again, think um, of a mature Christian as somebody who's been in the way or in Christ for a long time. But we know from scriptures, as we've been studying the last several weeks, can you believe we got one more week of this? One more week, and then you don't have to come on Wednesday until next year. <laughs> 
So um, we'll continue to grow. Um, I'm just, we're just going to pray and ask God for wisdom as, as it relates to the weather. And um, I thought it was going to snow today like they said they were, like, really bad. So we're going to do some li on live stuff online. So what we'll do is we'll plan, and then if it snows bad, we'll just do it online and send everybody out. Um, so make sure you see Angel um, to give her your information, your email address, e um, phone number, so that she'll, she'll send that out. That out. So we're going to talk about the marks of a mature Christian. Many times, people we know that there's three different stages. What are the three stages? What's the first stage? Babyhood. Yes, babyhood Christianity. What are some marks of a the characteristics of a babyhood Christian? Uh, what makes a baby a baby? They can't do anything for themselves. They 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 don't know right and wrong. Right in one sense, they um, they whine a lot. Um, they complain. There, there's no, you know, it's all about them. There's self-centeredness. They need to be carried. They always need someone to pray for them. And then what, what about the, um, what's the next stage of Christianity? Childhood. childhood Christianity. So we know that childhood is what? what what's, what's some of the characteristics of a childhood Christianity? Okay. Thank you for those answers. <laughs> childhood Christianity. They understand some things, okay. Think about childhood. Childhood, what is a child? They, they talk a lot, very talkative. So, you know, not saying that uh, as you mature, your personality may be tweeted, right? Tweet, I guess that's how you would say it. Not that I'm mature, so I don't talk much. <laughs> But you, you use wisdom when you talk, um, where the Bible says where there's much talking, sin is not far. So if you notice, if you talk a lot, you're sinning, <laughs> according to the Bible. That means you're talking about somebody. <laughs> you're, you're, you're saying something you have no business in. That's my experience. I mean, y'all might be super dumb deep and don't have that problem. Um, Ephesians 4. Let's go to Ephesians 4, our, our familiar text. Ephesians chapter 4. We see these ministry gifts. We're going to talk about, preach about the book of Ephesians next year. All right? So we're going to go. So how many been doing your homework? How many did your homework? Ephesians. You're supposed to read Ephesians for, from Sunday. I, not every day, but just the entire book. It's only six chapters. <laughs> oh, you remember. Right, you still got a couple days. All right. So don't forget to do that for Sunday. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at the ministry gifts, 11. We're also going to talk about the ministry gifts next year, the five-fold ministry gifts. We need to know what they are, be able, to, be able to identify. I'm going to bring in some real bona fide prophets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, one guy I was talking about, some of y'all heard it at the women's retreat. Um, he prophesied and read my mail, read Courtney's mail. And it's kind of scary. He told us what street we live on. And, it's just kind of like, so I had to call the pastor who, who told me about him. I was like, are you sure you didn't tell him anything about me? Has it been on my Facebook? Because <laughs> he gave some very specific details and described, he described even my, our bed. And I, I was like, okay. And then he described a condition that only three people or two people, other, two other people know um, about that I had been dealing with since I was a little boy. And I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> And so that, that was pretty, 
pretty specific. I'm going to tell you what it is. Like I, my, my doctor talked about years ago, said that there was a condition in my heart that where my vials, you know, your vials were supposed to go a certain way, but mine actually went the opposite way. And he began to describe that. It's like, hmm. Only my former pastor and my wife knew about that. <laughs> I mean, it's just gonna, it's just gonna just show up. It's just gonna, you, as you come to church, you gonna think you're CPD. Bam. <laughs> so um, he's very, very word and knowledge, really, really, really strong. But anyway, um, so apostles, um, and he gave the apostles, the apostles, and we'll talk about what a real apostle is. There's some false apostles. Everybody calls themselves apostles today. They kind of thinking that that's a, you know, a, a high position. So let me call myself apostle. Back in the day, he was a bishop, but now today he's an apostle. All right, so in the prophets, the evangelists, notice a lot of people are not calling themselves evangelists, so, you know, they don't look at that. And then there's the pastors or the shepherds, and then there's teachers, the teachers. And then we see the purposes, part of the purposes of the fivefold ministry, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, notice that it's not unity of doctrine, but unity of the faith. We're not ever going to come to a place where we agree 100% on the theology. So it's not about having the perfect theology, but it's about being united in the faith and then of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature what? Manhood or adulthood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joint and held together by every joint which, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. So this is the purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts. Um, it's not about titles. It's not about uh, influence per se, but it's about equipping the saints, giving the saints what they need in order to do the work of ministry, in order to build up the body of Christ so that unity is really formed in the faith, and we grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And we're no longer ch children, but we actually are mature in the things of God, and we're growing up in every way into Christ. The Holy Spirit is using the Word of God to make us more like Jesus. And so a mature Christian looks like Jesus. They think like Jesus. They talk like Jesus. They walk like Jesus. How did Jesus live? He lived a life pleasing to the Father. So he, his aim was after the Father. And, and, and I have some, some, some different marks. We're going to talk about at least three of them. And, and one thing I want you to realize, you cannot become mature in the faith overnight. You can't become mature in the faith. And maturity is not something that you, have, you pray about. Oh, Lord, make me mature, make me mature. You know, naturally speaking, you just be, you develop over time. And now we do have some older folks that act like they're children, right? You can look at people at your jobs. 
<laughs> you know, um, I work with a lot of older people and a lot of young people, and some young people got more maturity than some of the old, some of the old got some of the ways of the young. And so you, it, it's, it, 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 maturity requires patience and progress. Patience. You got to be patient with yourself. You're not going to, you know, it's like going to the gym and working out. I mean, I'm on a, on, a, uh, on a trail of losing weight. So I, I don't count my calories. I don't. I do everything opposite of all that stuff. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. But I, I don't count my calories, so it's just like cigar. It's, 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 it doesn't help me. <laughs> I just eat whatever I want to eat, but I just eat it in moderation, right? And I don't eat after a certain time, and so it just kind of protects me from that. So uh, I think that if you want to be intentional with being mature, you got to just pace yourself. You don't, you don't just try to be. If you are a babe in Christ, enjoy being a babe. I mean, if I, I remember looking back as, as a babe in Christ, I, I milked my parents' prayers. <laughs> I need you to pray for me because when you pray, things happen. <laughs> and, 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 and I looked to them for advice. Oh, how I miss my dad. I mean, we would have conversations for you. I mean, literally, my, after I was grown and married, we would put my, my wife and my, my mom would go to sleep because we would talk about the things of God to 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And we both had to be at work the next day. I don't. I can't do that with anybody. There's nobody I can do that with. And so, being a babe in Christ, it you 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 hungry, you're thirsty, and you want to grow. <clears throat> so pace yourself. If you're a babe, pace yourself until you're a child, and then as you become a child, pace yourself until you become an adult. Have you noticed that the progress is? We, children want to become adults real quick, and then and when they become adult, they want to be a child again. And, and I think that you just kind of need to take your time. Enjoy where you are. If you're a child or you're a babe in Christ, enjoy it. Don't try to become mature because with maturity comes responsibilities. A baby is not concerned about paying bills. <laughs> a mature person is like, well, this adult thing is real. <laughs> I mean, the hustle is real. They will put you out of your house or your apartment if you don't pay your mortgage or your rent. <laughs> with a babe, you go to sleep and don't have to worry about a thing. Uh, I eat tomorrow, the food will be there. So mature Christianity takes time. Time will test your maturity. <clears throat> so if you're mature in the faith, it will test your, uh, you'll be tested. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28, 29. Uh, I'm just tempted. Let's just do 24. It's all. It's always. That's always been a bad habit of mine. When um, going, let's go to the scripture, and I start looking at the scriptures above it, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's so good. Let's let's do that. Let's just start at the beginning of chapter one. I've done that several times. Yeah, let's start in Genesis. <laughs> um, my my dream, my dream is to be able to teach one time for like eight hours. I mean, that's just my dream. I just want to teach. Now, in Africa, they tried, they tested me in that. <laughs> teach three hours, Pastor. You ain't done yet. No 45 minutes over here, buddy. <laughs> Pray for everybody. Everybody need prayer. And I, I would warn myself. I would say, Lord, I need some more anointing. I'm not anointed. I thought I was anointed. I got over there. They were like, it was like lines and lines of people. I'm like, oh, God. We're going to do a mass prayer. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lay hands on everybody. 
And, um, but yeah, yeah, they worked me. Praise the Lord. And they booked me back to back, back to back. I'm like, can I just, I mean, as soon as I got off the plane, <laughs> preach it. I'm like, wait a minute. Can I just like relax, go to the place? And All right. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Notice that as a Christian, you will suffer. Suffering is part of your faith. A lot of Christians don't want to talk about that, but you're going to suffer as a Christian. Now, that doesn't mean sickness, disease, and poverty. That means suffering of your flesh. That means persecution. That's part of the Christian faith. That's part of the Christian walk. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to also have to participate in his sufferings. Paul said it like this. Am I going too fast? Thank you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, that I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the righteousness of faith in Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. That is the goal. You're going to understand him, you're going to understand his resurrection, his power, and you're going to understand his sufferings. That's part of the Christian faith. We will suffer as a Christian. That went over pretty well. <laughs> so that's part of who we are. That's part of what we're called to do. And again, it's not the suffering financially. It's not the suffering physically. Those are um, Jesus died to make you well, to get your sins forgiven, and to have your, all your needs met. So that's not the suffering what Paul is talking about. It's suffering fulfilling the plan and the purposes of God, people hating you because you name the name of Christ, people despising you because you are living a life that shows up their sins. Now, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. In my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. And as a pastor, pastors and ministers, they suffer for the people that they are serving. When I um, was dating my wife, I gave her a book by Dad Hagen's wife, Miss Aretha Hagen, and it described everything that possibly could go wrong in ministry. And, and she said she was depressed after reading that. I said, if you cannot deal with that, then don't marry me. Because it's a suffering. Are you willing to allow me to travel the world if need be by myself and only see me once a month? If I got quiet on that, that ain't going to work. All right, people do that for business, right? <laughs> Businessmen, women, all right? Uh, but but it, was, it was suffering. Part of my requirements to get married to her, no matter how much I was attracted, I said, are you willing to, to, to go to Africa? Are you willing to, to die for this name of Jesus? Go in places where the name of Jesus has never been mentioned. Are you, are you, are you willing to um, share me with other people in my time? And suffering as a Christian, family suffers and, 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 and so forth. Giving yourself over to those things for the sake of the body. Verse 25 of which I am a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Uh, God is giving ministers and everyone individually, um, made, making them stewards over what God has given them to make sure that this word is taken care of. 26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a mystery. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. I heard Dr. Fisher Pickett. How many know Dr. Fisher Pickett? Only two people in this room. Dr. Fisher Pickett, you need to look her up. Uh, I got a chance to meet her when I was a teenager. Oh, it changed my life forever, just been in her presence. She formed Dr. Miles Monroe. She was Dr. Miles Monroe's mother in the faith. And so she sat down with me and talked to me about some things. But she describes this scripture as Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the living reality of the presence of God. The living reality of the presence of God. Her name is Dr. Fuchsia Pickett. She's on with the Lord now. And it goes on to verse 28. This is the point I wanted to bring. Him we proclaim. Or Christ we preach, right? Him we proclaim. We, as, as a pastor, as a minister, and those of who, who are not a member here and you go to another church, make sure that they're preaching Christ. Christ, the historical Christ, the, the living Christ, the, the miracle-working Christ, the deliverer Christ, the, the, the lawyer Christ, come on, the healer Christ. The, you gotta pre, pre, we got to preach the whole Christ, every part of Christ. The, Christ has a demand for, for us. It says, here we pr- proclaim Warning what? Everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, what's the point? That we may present everyone what? Mature in who? In Christ. So the goal as a pastor is to present you mature to the Father, to the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My goal is to take you from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. That's one of the part of the vision. Knowing God. How do we go take you from babyhood Christianity to mature Christianity? The goal is not to be just used by God. Sinners can be used by God. So the goal is not to be used by God only, but to grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, to walk with you, to pray with you, to challenge you, to, to not allow you to be comfortable where you are, to call you up for higher. And so warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the goal of every biblical pastor is to present the people that they serve to the Father in maturity. Verse 29, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. It's by the grace and the help of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do that. So every fivefold ministry gift or gifts are given by Christ to mature the body of Christ. The school of discipleship is required in order to grow in maturity in Christ. The school of discipleship, always looking to be disciple, always looking to grow in discipleship, right? The goal of discipleship is to make you more like Jesus. Now, the thing about discipleship, it doesn't, there's formal and informal. You can have Bible studies, but the goal is not to get just a bunch of knowledge, but it's to live it out. Live out, the name of our church is called Kingdom Living, right? Living out the kingdom. The test of your maturity is your lifestyle. You can have a lot of knowledge and no life. I know guys and girls who they are very skilled in Greek and they, they understand the word in a way that I'm envious, but they don't live anything. Often you've heard me talk about my uncle who he, when he gets high, he, 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 every scripture that you know, he'll quote verbatim 
and can preach and expound the scripture in ways that will make him popular in Christendom. But he doesn't live anything. He doesn't live it. He has no substance with his life. And so the goal is to live out what you believe. Maturity, one of the characteristics of a mature Christian is they live out what they believe. They just don't. How shameful would it be to preach and to portray Christ, but you don't live anything? Living it out every day. You are, you are governed by your faith. Not saying that a mature Christian doesn't, isn't tempted. We are all tempted, but it's yielding to the sin that makes it sinful, right? It's, being tempted is not the sin. It's yielding to it. It's yielding to it. manager came to me early this morning. I, 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 I wanted to cuss. That's not a sin. The sin is if I did it. I said, well, sir, you know, this was a hard night, and your safety is important, so... Either get the order done and kill myself or, you know, take my time so I can be safe. My life is more than this job. <laughs> I'm just passing through it. I didn't tell them that. I'm not going to be here long. My, and I said to myself, my days are numbered here. And, and, and you, you have to see, but mature Christianity is living out your faith. Um, the world does not promote spiritual maturity. Have you noticed that? It doesn't promote anything spiritual, even though they say, oh, we're spiritual, we're not religion. They actually opposes, opposes it, oppose it, I'm sorry. The world is fast-paced and promotes consumerism, mindset of getting it now, everything is now. If you notice, like, for example, you can get your degree in 10 months. <laughs> Back in the day, it was four years to get a bachelor's. Now you can get it for 13 months, sign up for this program. Um, because I used to work at a community college, there was uh, these other colleges, I'm not going to mention the names, but these other colleges, like, you get this degree in 12 months. And we're like, uh, no, that's like being in a factory. Like, you don't want to go that route. You want to, I mean, I'm not saying you have to do traditional route, but there's something to be said to, the disciplines of four years of going to a school, learning the general, learning stuff. It, it, college is really supposed to promote, develop critical thinking skills, right? That's why they, back in the day, you, they would pay you more based on, because you went to school. Why? Because a certain, certain um, skill set that you had that a person from high school did not have was learning how to think, right? College is about learning how to think using those other areas of the mind where high school does not employ. And so that was back in the day. But now it's like get a degree in 10 months, learn a language in two months. Um, and, and so we see even getting ordained, you can get ordained by ordering your ordination paper on, online. Nobody knows you, don't know how you live. You can get your ordination paper. I worked with a guy in Enterprise who was not a Christian who got ordained online so he could do weddings. <laughs> he got his little certificate. I'm ordained too. And, and so it's, it's all these things. Ordination should take some time. If people say, I, I ordain you, I mean, it, it, it took time. Like part, I'm ordained through Rama um, Bible Training College now. I'm ordained through that alumni, and it took time. I'm also ordained through 
um, Pastor Dave Robeson's uh, ministry, and it took me five years of sitting under that ministry, praying and, and, and being a lead, servant leader for five years, been proven, and then they ordained me. So how many know that, that that's worth saying? It takes time. The goal is not, you get a piece of paper. Well, the paper is only good to marry people and bury them. I mean, I mean, what are you going to do with it? I mean, wow. You're going to marry people and bury them. Okay, so what, what's the responsibility? So, again, we got to protect this maturity. Biblical maturity comes from a long cooking process, slow burning. Slow burning. When you think you're mature, you realize you're not. When you think you're walking by faith, you realize you're not. You know, so you got, you, it's that slow cooking. You, everybody, people have slow cookers, right? You, you put something in and it, it takes a long time to cook. But when it's just right, it just falls off the bones. It's, it's sweet and juicy. What, what we want to be slow cooking Christians, slow, making more, us more like Jesus. And the Spirit of God will deal with you based on your attitudes. He'll deal one area at a time. And, and the longer you pray in the spirit and, and praying in tongues, just real quick, praying in tongues is not just for you to, it should not be reduced to getting excited in emotional service. People get, oh, it's a high praise, and that's it. It's the enduring prayer of tongues. If you pray long enough in tongues, you'll change and things will break. And praying hours upon hours upon hours because the Spirit of God will go after those things that is stopping you from receiving your fullness of your call. He goes after the, the strongholds that's been there for years. Strongholds that was uh, planned and signed by Satan put inside of you from your parents or things you borrow. And he goes after those things and he pulls those things out. So as you pray in the spirit, things will begin to be destroyed. The Bible says in Romans 8, it says the spirit is by the spirits. We put to death the deeds of the body. The spirit of God will go after the things that are hindering you from receiving the fullness of what he has for you. That a good prayer to pray and a good prayer I'm praying is, Lord, um, remove anything that is hindering us from receiving revival. What is stopping us from receiving everything that you have for us as a church? Lord, re help us to get past what is the ceilings that are on our lives? What are the things that are keeping us back? What are the mindsets that we have constructed over the years and fortified over the years that is keeping us to be more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit will go after the things that will keep that are keeping you to being like Jesus. God does not fellowship with your emotions. He does not fellowship with your body. He fellowships with your spirit. He fellowships with the change that is produced by the Spirit. And so the things that are inside of us that are not changing, He goes after. Every, even today, we have preachers and those who are in the ministry, they don't want to wait on their ministry. They want to rush. Notice that Jesus took 30 years for a three-year ministry. We take three years for a 30-year ministry. <laughs> we want to rush through it. 
Oh, man, I just want, I want to preach. I, want, I mean, way before I was preaching, I was doing Bible studies. I was witnessing. Your first calling as you get saved, your first calling is soul winning. And you can be faithful in soul winning, he'll promote you to the, your specific place in the body. Some people, they jump right into a, a ministry because of a prophetic word or a dream. They hear from God, quote, unquote, hear from God. How many know sometimes when God tells you something, it doesn't happen right away? It could be 20 years. There's some prophecies that I receive that it is just not happening years later. And that's 20 years later. So, so, it, it, so when you hear from God, a mature Christian, when they hear from God, it's not when, when, when. It's how. It's what's the process between here and there, right? It, it could be towards the end of your life, your latter part of your life where you're walking in the fullness of that. And I think sometimes we look down on that. We think we get a prophetic word. We got to walk in it. Very few prophetic words are for, like, the next day. It's always future tense. And it's usually way out in the future. <laughs> I mean, I was prophesied to, I was going to be a pastor when I was like 23, 24, and then uh, Mom Graham met her, and she was like, "Oh, you about to pastor soon?" And that was like five years later. And it just it just doesn't happen overnight. So when you get a prophetic word, you, that prophetic prophetic word needs to be tested. It needs to be tested. And so don't rush into ministry, but let the Lord mold you into the image of Christ more than more than you are ready for. Then you want you want you want God to come and get you. Think about David. David was anointed king, and it was years later that he became king, right? It was years, like years later. Jesus took 30 years for a three-year ministry. So let God, I'm not saying, you know, oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord, and you're waiting 20 years later. I'm not, don't go to the other extreme. <laughs> but you need to do something, right? All right, let's, let's, let's give you some other images, uh, some other mature marks. A mark of a uh, uh, a mark of a mature Christian is self-control. Self-control. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. One of the things as a preacher, minister, teacher, is um, I hate sharing stuff about myself. I really do, and I hate giving information. Some people say, oh, you talk too much about yourself. But the only reason I do that is try to give you an illustration of a real person and real illustrations, real examples. And if you know me, I'm I'm very private by nature. I'm very I'm very I'm believe it or not, I'm, I'm extremely shy. <laughs> but y'all can't tell that. <laughs> I used to be shy, I guess. <laughs> Until the Holy Ghost took the shyness out, out of me. Um, verse 18. But if, you, if you're led by the Spirit, you are no not under the law. And it talks about the law or the works of the flesh. Verse down to jump down to verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control or temperance, as King James says. Self-control. Self-control, now, of course, a mature Christian has all of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of what? The Holy Spirit. This is going to shock you but the fruit of the recreated human spirit. 
Holy Spirit does not have fruits. And notice it's fruit singular. The fruit of the Spirit. Now he's comparing the works of the flesh to the works of the Spirit. The works of the recreated Spirit. The works of a born-again Spirit. Now we've been taught in Sunday school that these are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But I'm here to tell you, as you study Galatians 5 and the rest of the scripture, you see the Holy Spirit does not have fruit. We have fruit. Okay? And if you look at context, see, King James or translators did not know how to translate spirit because there's only one word in the Greek for spirit. It's pneuma, and they had to... so. Sometimes what they try to do is help us out by capitalizing us. Capitalize. It's not supposed to be capitalized. It's talking about the spirit because he's comparing the flesh with the spirit. So as you study it, you'll see that he's the fruit of the spirit, and it talks about the fruit of the spirit. And really, there is only one fruit of the spirit, and then there's a cluster of things that is produced from that fruit. And the fruit of the spirit is love. And from love comes joy, peace, gentleness, and so forth. It's a cluster. Notice the fruit of the Spirit is, not the fruits of the Spirit are. All right? So singular is, is really one fruit. That, 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 that cluster around love is all the other ones. All right? So the fruit of the, so one of the clusters of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. A Christian who is mature is self-control. Self-control is, is, is the result of, of being born again and maturing in the faith. A mature Christian does not allow the world or the spirit of the age to squeeze you into its mold. And so you're very self-controlled, self-control in your flesh, self-control in your mind. You don't let your mind wander off. You can tell your mind what to think about. The Bible says in Philippians 4, what to think about, what sort of things that are lovely. Come on, help me out. Let's go over there. Philippians 4. Real quick, Philippians 4. Patience. Philippians 4. Go over there real quick. Philippians 4, and it says this. Philippians chapter 4, and looking at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, what is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any praise or worthy of praise, think about these things. And so we're to think about those things that are lovely, pure, um, praiseworthy, excellence. Think about those things. How many of you have to take control over your mind? And a mature Christian will have a different mindset than a baby Christian or childhood Christianity. You think differently. One of the things that a, a mature Christian will think about is eternity more. They are more eternally focused and driven than a person who are not mature. They're not thinking about, see, a baby Christian is thinking about their needs now, but a mature Christian is thinking about eternity. They're praying eternal prayers. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, a mature Christian thinks about eternity. Eternity weighs on their heart in a greater sense than a person who just got saved. Now, my second, uh, one of my next point, another mark, a mark of a mature Christian is seriousness. It's uh, a seriousness. They are serious about the things of God. 
Not saying that you can't be a, 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 a babe in Christ or a, a child in Christ to be serious about the things of God. But they, they take, they take, they're serious about their sanctification. They're serious about their doctrine. They don't take sin lightly. But they're very mindful of their sinful state and what it caused Jesus to die for them. A mature Christian thinks about eternity. Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 33. This is a familiar passage of Scripture as we think about the seriousness of the matter. Mature Christians are thinking about eternity. They're thinking about the will of the Father. They're serious about the will of the Father. They don't, they don't have delayed obedience because delayed obedience is really disobedience. God's been trying to get you to lose weight. God's been trying to get you to pray. God's been trying to get you to um, exercise. God's been trying to get you to forgive that person that did that to you when you were a kid. God's been trying to deal with you about giving and tithing. A mature Christian, does tithing is the, is, is the minimum of what they do. Mm, went over pretty well. Uh, they, they are, they're serious about giving. They, they're thinking about their paycheck, not to just meet their needs, but they're thinking about their paycheck. How can I further the gospel? I'm reading a book by David Platt, and if you heard David Platt, he will make you cry. I mean, he just, he just consumed with the call and the missions and thinking about the unreached group peoples of the world. And, and, and in this book, he's given a journey uh, on how he, he had to hike for miles and miles to get to a group of people that's never heard the name of Jesus and how he, you know, he's crying over that the fact that um, these brothers and sisters don't even have the mere um, natural or minimum, bare minimum daily needs. And, and he's crying and he's just like talking about how he's on the floor and he's weeping before God. Uh, a mature Christian is very sensitive to the needs of others. And they think about the interests of others more than the interests of themselves. That's Philippians 2. We'll go there in a minute. So here, Matthew chapter 6. I got so much coming to me, I got to slow down. Matthew chapter 6 says, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you jump down to verse 33, 633. 633 says this, but seek first. Seek for, everybody say, seek first. The kingdom of God. So a mature Christian is going after the kingdom of God. I, I, I want to applaud you that the fact that you came out on a cold Wednesday night to church. This is uncommon today. Most churches that I know of are only having one services, one service. And I'm telling you, we got to get serious about the faith. I, I'm not going to pull this on you, but in my dream world, <laughs> I would like to have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night. I mean, that's just my dream world, you know, just, be, just because I, I'm hungry for prayer. I, on Friday nights, we, we teach about prayer. We pray. And then uh, Wednesday night, Bible study, of course, Sunday night, Worship, prayer. I mean, I just, I think we don't have enough services. We don't have enough services. I'm not saying just us specific. I'm talking about general. I'm not going to do that. I mean, Mari's like, oh, boy. <laughs> She's looking alive. What? More services. More services. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we, we, we have to think of ways, even if it's just online or something, we have to think of ways to get more word in us. 
Because we're in this world constantly in 45 minutes to an hour. I'll preach an hour. An hour sermon every Sunday is just not enough for the Christian life. It's not enough for a Christian life. And you got to listen to the word. You got to listen to the word. You got to listen to it over and you got to be with the saints. You got to be accountable for how you live and how you think and confess your sins and prayer. And we need prayer. 30 minutes a day. I'm, I'm thinking about changing prayer from 930 to 10, from 9 to 10, because we just need more prayer. One of the things Mom Graham talked to me about is more prayer at our church. We need more prayer. We're not praying enough. We are deficient in prayer. And a mature Christian is serious about their prayer life. They protect their prayer life. They don't look at the phone while they're praying. They are in counter. They are in meetings with God. Sometimes I tell people, I'm in a meeting. I'm not available because I'm talking with God. That is more important than talking and texting with you. So they're serious about the things of God. So seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So a mature Christian is seeking first. First, everybody say first. So how do you seek the kingdom of God? Well, if you read Matthew 6, he gives you at least three disciplines on how to seek first the kingdom of God. Let me give it to you real quick. Our time is shortly going away. One, prayer. Two, giving. Three, fasting. That's how you seek the kingdom of God first. Prayer, giving, not necessarily in those orders. Prayer, giving, and fasting. That's how you seek first the kingdom of God. Your money where your money is, where your, you know, your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So how are you doing with that area? Are you putting God first in your money? Are you putting God first in your fasting? You know, are you willing to deny your flesh food? You know, some of us, you know, I want food now. I want food. I got to have it now. I'm hungry now. I'm getting a headache now. It's, it's, your belly is your God, as Paul says. Yeah, I, sometimes you just got to deny yourself. I stop eating after 7, and sometimes I don't eat till like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning, and I just, my stomach is like, my coworkers had me bring them this wonderful cheesesteak, and I was going to do that tonight for y'all. I may do it next week. JC's had this cheesesteak. Who else have had this cheesesteak from down my crib, by the way? All right, so this cheesesteak is so good. I mean, people are thinking about it from down south. I mean, it's a, a large, it's like this big. It could feed like three of us, but it's so good. It, it, it. So anyway, so my coworkers had me go and get them cheesesteaks like last night. And so I brought them cheesesteaks and had them cash out me the money. <laughs> I'm nice, but not that nice. Back in the day, I used to do that. I'm like, oh, I'll take care of it and suffer for Jesus the rest of the week. <laughs> um, and so, I, so they, they, they were serious about it. And, and, and I'm like, I love the cheesesteaks, but I didn't get one. I deny myself. And you got to deny yourself. Sometimes you want to eat the last bite, deny it. Like, mm, nah. Self-control. Self-control. I'm trying to obtain self, walk in self-control. No, that's, that's not going to happen. No. You want to see your favorite show? No. Nah. Uh, let me cut stars. Let, sorry, I don't know. I want to know who killed ghosts. It's all right. Uh, let me cut Hulu. Let me cut um, Netflix. I mean, just looking for ways to be serious. I mean, I, could give, I can give an extra $50. If, I'm not telling you to do this. If I cut something towards the kingdom of God, I can, I can pray a little extra more if I didn't have this time, I mean, on social media. Or, uh, uh, you know, you got to think about my, my time is, my, is valuable. Time is more valuable than money. So what I decided to do recently, um, I can share with you all, is that I decided to, like, not do a lot of overtime. One, my wife asked me not to. 
<laughs> That's one reason. And two is I can use that time to pray. I mean, I believe God can give me that money quicker than my job could, right? And if I seek first the kingdom of God, now I got to work, right? A man don't work, he don't eat. So you got to work. But that means you have to die for your job. I mean, this is, not, this is not my life. I'm just passing through. This is, I work not for a living, but for a giving. I, so I'm serious about my work. I'm serious because I'm working because it's going to provide the seed that I need to sow towards my future and sow towards the kingdom of God. This job does not own me. If they fire me tomorrow, please do. Uh, then I, <laughs> and, then, and then if they fire me, uh, this is not my life, right? My life is in him. In Colossians 3, let's go Colossians 3. My life is in him. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Let's go verse 1, 2. A mark of a mature Christian is, is, is they're serious. They're serious about their sanctification. They're serious about their mind. They don't allow anything to come in their mind. They don't worry about stuff. God will see us through. They're rooted in the fact that God is their source, not their jobs. They're, 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 they're secure. That if, if things go wrong, it's okay because God, I'm rooted in God. They're not moved by their circumstances. They're, not, they're only moved by their faith. They're only moved by their faith. I'm not moved by what I see or feel. Uh, you know, I, I'm not moved by those five senses here. I'm only moved by my faith. I'm moved by my faith. God said it. I believe it, and that settles it because God has spoken it. It's a done deal. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you then been um, raised with Christ, King James says risen with Christ, seek the things that are above. There's some things that are above. You got to seek things that are above, not just things on the earth. Courtney says it often, well, she used to, often. We love this world too much. We love this world too much. How much do I love this gospel? Am I willing to die for the gospel that I believe? Am I willing to be separated from family and friends for the gospel? This is, I'm not talking about a cult, right? <laughs> Separate. Don't talk to your family. <laughs> That's right. But, but you're willing to stand up and, and I'm not going to the gay marriage, wedding. Yeah, I, I love you. But I'm not a, because if I go, I'm endorsing the wedding. I'm endorsing it. That's not popular. And some Christians will fight me on. But that's because I don't show up to your wedding. I mean, I don't love you. I'm going to be here for you when things go crazy, because they will. Amen. Seek first, or seek the things that are above where Christ is. Mark of a serious Christian, I mean, Mark of a mature Christian is serious about the things of God. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So when God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So you got to seek the things. A mature Christian isn't exempt from temptation, but they're thinking about the fruit of that sin. So if whenever you're tempted, and we all are tempted, right? If not, you're dead. 
Whenever you're tempted, I want you to think about the end results of that temptation. Think about the, see, sin is pleasurable, come on, for a season, but the fruit of that sin will be painful. The consequences of that sin will cost us. What you compromise today, you'll lose tomorrow. So think about the bitterness, not the sweetness, but the bitterness of that sin. Think about, because it's, think about it. And so every time you're tempted, whether it's gossip, if what I'm saying, if the person I'm talking about was to hear it, what would be the bitterness of that relationship? It, it can cut me off from witnessing to them. It can destroy drama in my life. Had a situation recently where it was presented to me of what they thought I said, and they wanted to tell the person what I thought I said, what they thought I said, and it literally would destroy relationship with that person and my family members. So you got to think about the end result of your words. A mature Christian thinks about the end result of their words. I love what one minister says. He's, she says, if I tell you something, I wanted to say it in front of anybody. So if I tell you something about somebody, I will own what I said. <laughs> That'll free you up, right? <laughs> That'll destroy you talking negative. Because if you say something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them. Like, I, I said it. Yep, yep, I stand behind my words. I said this about you. I said that you were lazy. I sure did. You know, you got, you got to think about that. So um, a mature Christian thinks about the end results of, their, of sin, the end results of their words, the end results of their, their life. Those who, who tempted to commit adultery, think about what could destroy your family or what patterns are you setting up for your kids. Oh, that's preaching right there. I mean, thinking about the end results what if I do this on this job? What's going to happen? What if, you know, if I lose this job on purpose, not because God is helping me to lose it, but I'm losing it for some dumb decisions, then, then what, what's the result of that? Mature Christianity, right? All right, let's, my last point is this. A mark of a mature Christian is a life of consecration. It's a life of consecration. They're consecrated to the Lord. They don't have the world pulling on them. They love God more than they love the world. They love God more than they love the world. They are dedicated to the kingdom of God. They don't play with this world. They serve the Lord with pureness of heart and mind and hands. They, are, they aren't contaminated with the world. They're consecrated, a life of consecration. Lord, let your will be done. I'm more concerned about your will than I am about my comfortable life. If the will of God is for you to be a doctor tomorrow, no matter what age you are, then you got to think about what do I need to do to cut? Maybe I need to cut the house in half. In other words, what can I, if I have to move to a smaller house to enroll in school because it's going to prepare me for the will of God? They're not concerned about the comfortable life. They're more concerned about the will, the purposes of God. And if it costs them to get, if they go from a BMW to a hoopty, 
they're willing to have the hoopty in order to do the will of God. God can get you the BMW back with no payments. <laughs> but, but, but you know what I'm saying? But there might be some se a season of eating rice every day and drinking green tea so you won't get diabetes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, 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 willing to sacrifice. No more eating out. I, I, you know, some people say, well, I have a problem with tithing. Well, if you cut what you're eating out, most of us spend more money eating out than we would with paying the tithes. We will tip the waiter and not even give God what belongs to him. Oh, um, me and my wife's son is in a basketball league, and, and they do have some games on Sunday, Minister Allen. I said, heck no, this is the devil. He ain't, he ain't playing. No, this is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. And I try to, I mean, of course, we have freedom in Christ. But I'm like, no, we're going to look at VeggieTales on Sunday. Why VeggieTales? Because it's the Lord's day. What today is? The Lord's day. Sears about the Lord's day. Consecrated unto the Lord. I mean, one, there's a guy by the name of Dave Hogan. He's raised hundreds of people from the dead, right, today. You heard of Dave Hogan. And his family, his whole entire family, he adopted this Mexican kid. And his whole entire family fasted, like, every other day. And even a baby, even the dogs, animals were fasting. I mean, that's the street, right? <laughs> and so the baby and everybody was fasting every other day. And you heard this, Minister Allen. He was a toddler at the time. And so the little boy grew up, and he would pass, like, somebody be in a wheelchair, and he would say in Spanish, the fire God. And, um, and the... People walk up like in a wheelchair, get out of the wheelchair. The little kid was doing this. I mean, just consecrated. And I was saying, don't, don't, don't no, because you don't want um, child services to get you for not feeding the baby. <laughs> we in America, we're going fast. <laughs> child services, and you got to go to court and lose your baby over fast. I mean, God gives you wisdom. All right. <laughs> but I, I wanted to just say that there is something about a consecrated life. Um, not laughing at dirty jokes, not laughing at other people, not talking about them, guarding your mouth, guarding your mind, um, not, not thinking negative always about people, guarding um, how you spend your money, guarding how you spend your time. Time is more valuable than money. And if, if I, I can't get time back, I can always get money, but I can't get my time back. Right? Spending the extra four hours a day working overtime is not going to get me my time back. I can't get that time back. And so we need to get some maturity. So we're going to talk some more about mature Christianity next week. It'll be our last week. Maybe we'll bring some food, <laughs> uh, maybe some cheesesteats. Put your order in the seat, Angel. <laughs> Angel is my administrator. Uh, 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 what's the title? What's your title? Administrative assistant. I knew something. It was something. She's been like that for a while, so don't <laughs> it's not like she got a new title. <laughs> she, she's been functioning at that for, a, a, like, years. Um, so, um, yeah, let's mature in the things of God. Amen? Amen? Let's begin to get serious. Let's guard our life, our heart. Guard, I mean, sometimes being exposed to certain things will, will damage your heart or, or impact your spirit. So guarding your heart, not laughing at everything, and, 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 and having wisdom, moving in wisdom. Next year, I want to talk about the wisdom of God in a way that I've never taught before. And... I, I, I'm convicted in the sense of I, I want to teach through books, right? And, and that's part of my convictions, and we do, the, do that at times. 
But the Holy Spirit showed me something recently. I, I'm of a persuasion. I want to preach through every book of the Bible before I retire as a pastor. Okay, that, that's the goal. I'm going to do that in Jesus' name. <laughs> um, but the Holy Spirit showed me something about that. He says, look at Jesus. Did he teach every book of the Bible in the Old Testament? I said, no. He said, okay. And what did it, how did Jesus teach? Jesus taught parables. He taught natural things. He compared. He gave stories and illustrations. He said, you, you're in line. you got to follow the Spirit, not only your rigorment, like my routine, right, uh, but, but to, to follow, learning how to follow the Spirit in the needs of the people, understanding how. Because I'm telling you, I want to teach through Colossians like tomorrow, <laughs> but we'll have other times to do that. But it, I, I just want to encourage you to pursue maturity, walk towards maturity. Don't stay a baby. Don't stay a child. And if you're already mature, strengthen your maturity. And as a mature Christian, you teach others how to be mature, how to walk with God. Those who've been walking with God for a long time, there's a need to teach others who have not. This is how you pray. This is how you avoid temptation. Or, 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 or this is how you avoid sin. This is how you, um, you guard your mouth. This is how you honor the Lord with your money. This is how you honor the Lord with your body and your mind. This is how you honor the Lord with your relationships. Father God, I thank you for this time together as we um, learn about some marks of a mature Christian. Lord, we want to grow in maturity. We want self-control. In Jesus' name. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.